Disability Cricket Podcast. My name's Sean. I'm the host of the show. And today it is episode two of season two of the Disability Cricket Podcast. It's a Friday evening. It's the 7th of January 2022. This is the first episode I've recorded since October 2021. So I might be a little bit rusty uh, getting my head around how how to record a podcast. Uh, Today's guest is uh, Surrey and England disability cricketer Johnny Gale. He'll be chatting to me in about an hour's time. But before then, I'm going to tell you about some interesting news. Uh, I sent an email off to Richard Hill. Uh, regarding if there's any news I can share with you guys and he he replied and said yes there is some news Um, so I'm just going to read it from the email it says as it happens he's currently updating the play cricket site with the 2022 fixtures this week obviously this week is the 7th of January this episode's not going to be released till about February so uh, you've probably already seen those fixtures by now there are a few changes. Firstly, they are rebranding the D40. So the D40 is the Hardball League. It'll be known as the D40 Quest, and that's the National League. That's the top division of the D40. is called D40 Quest. And the D40 Pursuit, and they're the two regional North and South divisions. Uh, there's also a bit of rebranding going on with the Super 9s, and they're calling and calling it S9 Regional. So that's the Softball League. So that's the S9 Regional and the S9 Challenge. There will be four S9 Regional Leagues in 2022. So that's up from one. So there's enough teams there to generate four four Regional Leagues. The S9 Challenge replaces the Development League and will consist of as consist of as a number of festivals around the country so that's that's nice that because um, obviously last year there was the the disability premier league which was um set up with probably 60 of the elite d40 players across the nation uh so they're going to set up a few festivals for the super nine players so, so that these guys um get an opportunity as well and they're going to have a few festivals around the country so that'd be nice to hear uh, there's also have a D40 Challenge too. Uh, this is uh, to allow softball players the opportunity to try out hardball cricket, and there will be three or four festival style uh, festival style events for those guys in 2022. In 2022, we also welcome Northamptonshire into the D40 Pursuit, and North Wales MAC into the S9 Regional North League. Uh, And all the fixtures will be available at the end of this week. So uh, he sent me this email a few days ago. So I'd imagine they should be on probably by now, really, because it is the 7th of January after all. And it's a Friday and it's five o'clock. Unless Richard fancies working a Saturday. So that's good news, isn't it? Some um, another team joining the D40s and uh, more teams in the S9. So although Covid has... uh, struck and limited some of the cricketing opportunities we still seem to be growing as a sport so that's good news right um so that's the news feature out the way if anybody has got any news they'd like to send me uh you can send it me on twitter and you can send it to me via email 
Um, and obviously, if anybody wants to feature on a future episode of the Disability Cricket Podcast, just get in touch. And um, I'll drop the contact details in the description of this uh, podcast. So get in touch. Right, so now it's just a short while uh, and I'll be interviewing Johnny Gale. Cheers. Hello, I thought I'd just add this little bit of extra info before the episode with John Gale. Uh, you may have seen this on Twitter uh, maybe last week. Um, I've made the decision to release episodes every fortnight uh, just for this year. Uh, see how it goes with fortnightly episodes. Uh, I've been, I did put a message on Twitter and I have actually had quite a lot of responses. It's just, um, I've only got about eight episodes backed up and sometimes this, this podcast can be quite time consuming. So I hope you understand that. Uh, just trying to, and, uh, and I'm only free a couple of nights a week to record episodes so if you can understand I'm only available a couple of nights and then if uh, the people I get on are only available a couple of nights some weeks uh, we don't actually manage to record an episode so it is quite important that I have quite a few episodes backed up and then there's a scenario of uh, I, I totally understand that some people um, you know, that life gets in the way sometimes. So if I'm only available to record episodes two nights a week and then something pops up uh, and the guest isn't available or if I'm not available, uh, for example, I've rearranged one this week because I follow my local non-league football club and they threw in uh, uh, at short notice uh, a friendly game. And because I volunteer at the club, I was needed uh, for, for duties, so I had to cancel at short notice. I understand that people have caring responsibilities or, or work, etc., and sometimes life just gets in the way. But if you imagine that if that happens quite a few weeks in a, in a row, it may mean that I don't record any episodes for two, three, four weeks. And then I've got the pressure of trying to get an episode available to you guys on, on a Monday. So I, I made the decision to only uh, do uh, only release episodes once a fortnight, uh, and hopefully you'll understand that. So any of the people who have been recorded uh, sometime during this year, uh, some of your episodes may be getting uh, put back a few weeks. Just to let you know, some of the guests I have got lined up over the next few weeks, obviously this episode is with England LD cricketer uh, who plays uh disability cricket for Surrey as well uh, John Gale but then next week I've got Amlin Layton he is a, a disability cricket coach and he coaches in Lancashire and then uh, in a few weeks after that I've got my very first ever female guest on uh, Lucy Hunter she plays disability cricket for Shropshire and then I've got Callum Flynn uh, Brian Lever, Tom Best, Leon Richer, and Steve Morgan. Steve Morgan isn't a cricketer, but many of you may know him as a journalist who, who turns up at quite a few disability cricket games, and he's wrote articles about disability cricket, and he's very passionate about disability cricket. So, uh, yeah, have him on the podcast. And today, I think I'm recording an episode later on today, and uh, this is shows how poorly organised I am. And uh, today I'm recording an episode with Anthony Clapham. And I'm currently in the process of uh, trying to organise an episode uh, where I record uh, Cheshire and England LD cricketer. 
uh, Jack Perry. There's quite uh, obviously when I put that statement on Twitter last week, I got inundated with quite a few people. So I have actually got quite a few uh, episodes lined up to be recorded in the next few weeks. Um, I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, Johnny. Welcome to the Disability Cricket Podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Hi, Sean. I'm very good, thanks. And thank you very much for having me on the Disability Cricket Podcast. It's good to have you on. And just in case the listeners are not aware, we already recorded your episode in January. But when I listened back to it, the audio was awful. So we've, I've <laughs> had to invite you on again. So I apologise for that. I've already apologised for that. But it just simply it was out of my control. No, no, it's probably my fault, if anything else, using old technology, but <laughs> we're here and that's what matters most. So tonight we're joined by Johnny Gale. He is currently a, you currently play disability cricket for Surrey. You are currently a national D40 hardball champion. You've played for the England LD uh, Learning Disabled <laughs> Cricket Team, and you've also featured in the Disability Premier League. Um, so we'll talk about Surrey first and, and, and being a national champion. Uh, what was it like being a national champion? It's a great feeling. I mean, anybody who wins a title, <clears throat> excuse me, anybody who wins a title, of course, is going to have a, a feel-good factor about themselves. But having been with Surrey now for, bar shouting, 10 years, and on two or three occasions in that 10 years, we have got into the national final Prior to this championship we've won, it was a round-robin competition, and we get to the national semi-finals, and we'll either get knocked out or some other occasions where we just didn't play, and for whatever reason, we didn't progress. So to go one stage better this time, and especially with being the very first year of it being effectively like the county championship format, it's a really huge, um, it's a huge feel-good factor, as I say, and hopefully, touch, touch wood. I'm not, I'm not superstitious, but of course we at Surrey would like to try and win it back-to-back -back seasons if we can. Yeah, there was a slightly different format because in the past it's been uh, a northern division and a southern division. And then the top two from the north play <clears> the top two from the south in the semi-finals. Um, and then there's a final. And over the past few years, it's usually been Hampshire who have dominated this tournament. Um, I think one of the... Oh, I forgot their surnames. One of the boys was in uh, Love, Island, Love Island, so he wasn't available. <laughs> oh, the ha Hugo Hammond, you're That's thinking of, I think. Yeah, there's, there's two brothers, aren't there? Um, they both play uh, disability cricket, Hugo and Alex. And one of them was in Love Island, so he wasn't available for all of their fixtures. Uh, but they have sort of dominated, Hampshire have dominated this tournament for quite a few years. Um, not taking that away from you. You've still won the tournament. You, you, you're currently a county champion. And uh, so you've got to try and defend that, which defending a, a championship is always harder the second time. Well, I'm not looking forward to the challenges, but <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the idea of having to defend it. But at the end of the day, you know, if we can defend it, great. But that's what shows the true signs of what a champion is, if they can actually retain a title for more than one year in a row or whatever so but there'll be a lot of pressure but i like to think all our team our team players will be up for the challenge and will give it their best shots no matter the result of this season it's very close as well wasn't it it came down to the final game of the season yeah it was um it was an interesting weekend that actually it was um i think it was the middle of august um when we had our last fixture which <clears throat> ironically was against hampshire actually and 
Um, we were supposed to have played them in the opening weekend of the fixtures. Um, I think it was about Easter May time, but for whatever reason, the fixture got rearranged to August. And um, even in between then and when we played Hampshire, we had a couple of games rained off, which we share the points out. Frustrating as it is, but you can't control the weather. And we beat, who did we beat? Middlesex in a close game. Uh, Wales and Shropshire, as you probably would know yourself. But um, And of course, it came down to that last weekend where it was a case of whichever team won that match would be crowned champions. Or in our case, had we had the rain, had the rain gods come our way, which they did, then obviously we would be guaranteed to win the title because we were, I think we were something like four or five points ahead of Middlesex going into that final weekend. But albeit the circumstances was unfortunate in the way we won it, but... I'm sure Hampshire will probably say the same thing in that they'd quite happily take the 10 points or whatever from a rain-affected match or abandoned match to rain to win a title that way. Yeah, I, I know Middlesex were pretty much top of the league all season, but when it came to the final game, it was just guaranteed they could never win it because no matter what the result on the final <clears> day, they were never... They were just they, It was just mathematically impossible because no matter if you'd won or Hampshire had won, Middlesex would definitely guaranteed not to be top at the end of the season right uh, one of the questions I usually ask people is how did you first discover disability cricket uh, how long a, how long a time have I got to answer this question for <laughs> um, God, it's an interesting one it's um, before I just go into it um, I'll just give a bit of background context into how I came across it I had been playing mainstream cricket for something like three to four years five years at most um, before playing disability cricket. But the how I came across it was through school. Um, I went to a special educational needs school or special needs school as some would call it. And I was in year year eight or year nine at the time. So this would have been around about 2000 and, 2007, 2008 period, roughly. And uh, my PE teacher at the time was good friends from another PE teacher from another special educational needs school. Um, who the other PE teacher in question knew of a disability cricket charity who at the time were called Cricket for Change and effectively ran what we now know as Super 9's softball competitions for Surrey, Middlesex, Essex and Kent I think it was and my school teacher got wind of the charity and spoke to my parents and saying look there's this great opportunity for John could you encourage him to go down and have a look and see what he thought and from which I did, attended the competition for Surrey. And um, should we just say the rest is history, really? Okay. And uh, you've been playing disability cricket for, for, for England as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've been playing for England now competitively in international cricket context, that is, for just over 10 years now. But I have been a member of their squad for about uh, 13, maybe 14 years because I was involved with England about one or two years prior to getting my first international cap in South Africa in the winter of 2011. And uh, all being well this year, you should be off to Australia as well, shouldn't you? Touch wood, again, not superstitious, but um, <clears throat> when I say we, us LD guys, we also... Lost you. Ooh. Sorry, I, I did have to pause it there because you, you seem to have dropped out. So I'll just ask that oh. question again. You're off to Australia shortly, aren't you? 
Yeah, we're uh, fingers crossed, depending on COVID nearer the time, we're hoping to leave, I think it's early June, or the very first couple of days of June, and we're out there for about 10 to 14 days, and we're also being joined by the deaf or hearing impaired squad, as some may call it, as well as the visually impaired. So three international teams going out to play their respective Australian counterparts, hopefully to bring three trophies home. That'd be good if you do. Um, be- did you Have you been to Australia before? Um, I've been twice, so this would, if all goes to plan, this will be my third time. My first one being in 2015, roughly the same time when the the back end of the 2015 World Cup, the Men's World Cup, was taking place. And then the second one being in 2019 in Brisbane in October. And I think, Fran and we're heading to Brisbane again this time. So it'd be great to go back there. And I really do love going to Australia. Yeah, um, one of the first people who appeared on this podcast was Tom Wilson. He went to Australia. Is he part of your squad? He's part of your squad, I think. Yep, he's part of Padre's squad, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, um, hopefully if all goes to plan, he, last I knew, he was part of our squad, and hopefully we're having, we're going to more or less take the same squad that we took to Brisbane 2019, maybe with one or two differences, depending on, I guess, availability and or selection um, plans near the time. And you've got a couple of uh, indoor training camps between now and the summer as well, haven't you? Yep, so we've had two already, one in November, one in January, and our next one is the last weekend of February, I can't remember the exact date exactly, and another one a couple of weeks after that in middle of March, and depending on Easter and thereafter, we're hoping to, I can assume, if COVID allows us to, to play as many outdoor games as possible to give us time to play in the middle and hopefully go out there with several 10 to 15 players all on song and able to be very successful on the field uh it's it's not it's not easy being an england ld player though because one of your training you live in surrey and one of mm-hmm. your training camps is in is in shrewsbury school which is in shropshire and Shrewsbury's not far from the welsh border so it's quite a distance for you guys to be traveling for a training camp isn't it for me it is i mean it's Depending on traffic, it can take as little as two and a half hours if I have no traffic from where I live in Surrey all the way up to Shrop to Shrewsbury. But the longest journey I've ever had was probably four to five hours, which um, thankfully has only happened once, albeit it was on the same weekend, roughly when COVID, I think, first arrived in Britain, when we had, I don't know if you remember, we had a really horrific storm where trees were just falling down left, right and centre across the country. But... That was my worst bit. On average, it's about three hours normally. Yeah. And you were also part of the very first Disability Premier League, which which took place last year. Uh, how did that go for you? For my team, um, I was part of the Black Cats, and we were, <clears throat> excuse me, we were very successful. We we played, I've got to get this right here, I think we played one 40-over match, which was the very last match of the whole competition, if I remember rightly, and we played... Uh, four or five T20s and we won all of those fixtures so we effectively won both the T20 and the one day format uh, with a 100% winning streak which was a great experience and given how successful it was it's great to see that from what I've been hearing DPL is um, expanding ever more and long may the success continue coming our way I'm, I hear slightly different rumours from different people about the DPL 
And one rumor I've heard of next se- <coughs> this season is that uh, they're going to have a draft similar to you know like the IPL or or the hundred game. Mm-hmm. So, which if you were to think about it is a really good idea because then the players actually know that their coach wanted them and selected them. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite a clever idea there, actually. Although if there was money involved, I'd probably be one of the cheapest players going on the market. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think there'll be money involved. But they're going to hold some kind of draft system. I've heard that as a rumour. I haven't had that guaranteed. Maybe, maybe I should ask a few people about this, but I've heard there may be a draft so obviously, one of the benefits of that, what I can see is, um, coaches are actually picking the players they want. So you will be like a valued player. So, and obviously, with all your experience, if you won every game last year, you got to be, you're going to be one of the first high picks, aren't you? I'd hope. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite have the best of t- times with the batting, but um, as a keeper, because I also keep, so I'm hoping. Um, more the catching side of things for me will help me get into the squads. Uh, one thing I picked up on, I was chatting to one of your, your Surrey colleagues the other week, um, <laughs> and we were chatting about training, and uh, Brian was saying that you guys do a lot of training at Surrey. He said, you train at odd times, though. He said, you train from, in the summer, you'll train from five o'clock in the evening until ten at night. <laughs> it feels like that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, start, we normally start roughly five sometimes six o'clock depending on obviously the time of the day we train etc but where we train um, in Surrey uh, which is on a public park called Bushy Park which is near Hampton Court Palace um, as soon as the sun sets it gets dark very quickly so hence we have to start quite early because by the time it gets to you know, seven eight o'clock period it's getting darker and darker and even though we use a pink ball for training obviously depending on how bright that pinkness is and the background etc yeah, obviously there comes a point where you have to call training off for the safety side of things but and we do tend to stay after training to effectively have a couple of hours of each other's company and that's one thing i really enjoy about Soviet cricket is that we can play cricket for a bit and then we can switch off effectively and actually have a, a sociable lifestyle away from the cricket and enjoy each other's companies okay what what are your aspirations for the future uh as a player um at the moment, I'm still on this quest to reach or score my maiden international century. I should have done it in Brisbane 2019, but we won't go there. Um, so score an international century and just try and be involved in cricket for as long as I can as a player. But I am at the moment trying to take on more coaching roles. So, for for example, come the DPL when it expands ever more in, say, within the next 10 years or so, I can be in a position where as a as a long-serving coach, to be able to help other cricketers with a disability to be able to reach that next level far more quickly and in a far more successful way than I had growing up. How old are you? Um, at the moment, I'm 27. Oh, in 10 years' time, you'll still be playing. That's my plan, but <laughs> see if the, knees, if the knees give way anytime soon, then it might not be. But at the moment, whilst they're holding me up, whilst they're keeping me up, I'm carrying on playing as long as I can. Okay, and um, I know I know it's February now and Christmas has come and gone. But <clears throat> did you get any new kit at Christmas? Uh, I didn't at the time, but um, as a sort of, a, albeit a very belated Christmas present to myself, yeah. um, having been able to work over 
um, the last couple of months, including up to Christmas. Um, I've invested in a couple of new bits and pieces for my coaching. So a couple of, um, you know, those crazy catch um, nets. Oh, yep. I bought, so a couple... I bought one for myself during lockdown. Locked, <laughs> in lock, lockdown one. It's a great way to keep yourself occupied for hours on end. But um, so a couple of them for coaching, and I've just recently had to upgrade some of my um, my personal playing equipment, so helmets and a couple of gloves. So that's it so far. But who knows for next Christmas? Yeah, my my front. I forgot about the crazy catcher. You know, it's a big square rectangle with uh, with, and you throw a ball, it bounces, doesn't it? Silly. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I I've got quite a big front garden and i bought one at the start of lockdown i remember chucking balls at it but chucking them at quite some force in fact i'll tell you, I'll tell you what it did improve my aim actually um <laughs> but the balls are coming back at me at silly angles some of them and i remember one of my neighbors sent me a message on messenger say uh, saying uh, watch the cars <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so then i thought you know what i'll have to get the tennis balls out because <laughs> i'm not the best at fielding so when some of these balls are flying at me and yeah, some of them were getting past me. So, yeah, that's how it was. I've still got it. It's still in my garage. I, I need to get out and have another go. Scare the neighbours. Right. Uh, <laughs> but every, every year I seem to... I, I said this on the episode what I recorded earlier on today. But every Christmas I seem to get a new uh, cricket bag because I just ruin cricket bags. I just drag them across fields in the summer and they end up with holes in and handles fall off and stuff. It's just... That's just how it is. Cricket bags are not what they used to be. And so, yeah, I seem to get a new one every year. Right, I've got some silly questions. I, I've, I've started asking some of these questions to lots of people. Who's the best Who's the best trainer, uh, either at Surrey or at England? Who's the best trainer? Ooh, good question. Uh, how to be an England team, surely. Um, <laughs> uh, lots of candidates, but um, I think one player, it's, it's no-brainer. Um, it's a player called Dan Bowser. He... Um, Phenomenal player, gun player of anything else, and um, every time, you know, when we have our net sessions or we're doing fitness, whatever, Dan is always giving his one hundred percent best effort, and even if we have to drag him, we have to, we have to sometimes drag him out because he's that keen to just train as much as he can. So it's a no-brainer there. Um, which trainer has got the best trainers? Uh, <laughs> there's a few good wheels going around in the England camp at the moment. Um, some bright ones. Some Definitely bright white ones. <laughs> some bright white ones. For the, I mean, I've, I like to think I've got a decent set of wheels. Um, I've got a pair of um, what they call Ubersonics from Adidas. They're actually tennis shoes, um, but I use them to help me with lateral support. Not that I have any problems with my ankles, but just to help with like, things like turning or do little bits and pieces here and there. But um, on my ones, they've got a, um, a really bright, almost like a neon pink kind of heel, but flashes of orange and yellows mixed together across the shoe. You would definitely want to wear a pair of sunglasses on a bright sunny day if you if I was wearing them around you. So, but I have to say me, but if not, then um, one of our teammates called Dan Levy, who wears khaki greens. Uh, do you say tennis shoes? Mine are tennis shoes. Yeah. What brand are they? Uh, Adidas. I forgot to say it. Adidas Super Ubersonics. They're called. I'll, I'll check them out later, because obviously playing cricket, I've got some really nice painter cricket shoes mm -hmm. i love them i think they're really really comfy but sometimes equipment from other sports can be can be better can't it it can be like it's like um I'm trying to think of another example it's like the socks as well 
tennis players wear like socks with r- non-slip socks yeah. because yeah, cause they're constantly mean. going from left to right and backwards and forwards and the last thing they want is their feet sliding around inside their shoe because then they'll get blisters so they wear so they wear special socks so i've started wearing tennis socks in my cricket shoes quite clever there i think i need to i think i need to <laughs> take i need to follow in your footsteps then because that's something i've not actually done before but and it probably might actually help me to reach my century quicker with england it's just it's just little wins from different sports absolutely it, um i won't give you any other tips <laughs> <laughs> the more the more the merrier mate please bring it my way anything to make me a bit more have, successful and i'll give you, you the credit have you ever batted with a hockey stick no i'm only messing <laughs> <laughs> i should try it <laughs> oh, or, or use a fence post <laughs> right um right so you use them that's throwing me a bit i was gonna say what's the next bit of kit you you want to buy as well uh next kit to buy um I mean, my Adidas is uh, a few years, they're a couple of years old. They're still in good condition because, I mean, I'm quite a, a keen person to make sure all my kit is clean, shoes included. So I'm probably going to have to, within the next within the next year or so, look at getting replacement shoes. I mean, it might be that I might just buy a pair of tennis shoes, um, whatever colour takes my pick at the time, and actually just convert them into um, spiked cricket shoes to wear for, t- for T20 games, actually. <laughs> And the next question, John, is who's the worst trainer? Uh, depends on how you wanted to find the worst trainer. Really. Okay. Who, who's, always <laughs> looking, who's always looking for an excuse to, to, to not train? Oh, me, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Whether that's with Surrey or with England. <laughs> um, if it's not me, then... Um, oh, God, that's a good question there. You've got, you got to think of safeguarding as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I too. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness me. Actually, I'm going to pick on a teammate from Surrey, um, if I may. Um, this player, he knows who he is. Um, his name's Matt Harris. Um, he joined us last year. And, um, I mean, we trained on the first day. And, I mean, a lot of us have nine to five jobs. So that's fair enough. But for every training session we have, including on days where Matt is always free like stop working or whatever there's always something going on like oh i'm going i'm going to cornwall or something like that kind of thing to get out of a get out of jail card if you like and um he has got a bit of a reputation of sorry for just bailing out so sorry matt love you really mate uh, this uh, I've actually seen you play cricket. Uh, in fact, we spoke about it in January, but we haven't spoke about it tonight. Uh, do you remember that really hot summer's day last year? Uh, Surrey came up to Shropshire and played yep. Shropshire at a place called Reeking College, which is pretty local to me. Uh, nice ground. There's trees around the outside, so in the shade it was red hot, but in the field there was no cover. I saw you play that game. I can remember it well. It was, um, as you say, it was, it was it was almost too hot for cricket. If anything else, great if you're a spectator and you you want to sit outside, have a few drinks, and enjoy the sun whilst watching cricket. Great, but as you say, for us guys who are out in the field, whether you're batting or bowling, it was lethal. But a great day for us. Which, of course, I'm sorry for Shropshire for being on the on the he- on the receiving end of a heavy defeat. But um, it was a great day. I mean, thank you to Reekin College for producing a great pitch, and I hope everybody enjoyed the experience. But hopefully, we'll be able to get back there again because I really enjoyed it, having scored without kind of blowing my own trumpet, scoring 100 and 120, whatever it was, maybe even 130. So, <laughs> great memories oh, there. 
sorry, I don't actually have your scores in front of me. <laughs> uh, but, but I know Surrey got about 300 that day, didn't they? Something or, about that. Or 298 or something like that. It was quite close to it. If not, I mean, I, I got a century myself. Um, one of our openers, James, James Grinjod, he, I think he got his first ever century with Surrey, I think, that day. And I, I can't remember if he was out like I was or he was undefeated. He was one of the opening batters, was James. And I think a couple of people after me may have hit a quick fire, 10 or 20, something like that. But good day for us, but it was a great pitch, to be fair. And it's, it's certainly a place I'd quite happily go back to bat on again. It is a nice pitch. Uh, I've I've never played on that pitch, uh, but I have been there before. You may have heard of a team called the Lashings Eleven. Have you ever heard of them? I have. Um, to, I've only there seen is, them in action once or twice in about there, there ten years team, ago. Yeah, the Lashings Eleven are a team made up of former pros, and yes. uh, years ago they had they played a fixture there, and um, at the time Herschel Gibbs was playing for South Africa. He was in the. He was in the. He was. I don't know. Batting number four or five for South Africa. He was still a regular South African player, and mm. he turned up and played for the Lashings Eleven on this one game, and I've never seen anyone score a fifty so quick. <laughs> <laughs> he was putting that ball all areas of the ground, and then once he got his fifty, I think he just walked off. <laughs> as, as you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was against that was uh, Lashings Eleven against the. Shropshire uh, Minor Counties uh, County Cricket Club. So these are decent standard cricketers. And then Herschel Gibbs, who's a regular South Africa international, turns up, whacks a quick 50 and then, <laughs> then, then retires. Oh, Shropshire were on for a hide in that day, they were. Anyway, it's still worth it. I think I paid a fiver to watch that game as well. Um, it was a good game. Good, sorry, good game. Right. Uh, some of the other silly questions I haven't asked. Um, Who's the, who's the team joker for Surrey or, or for for England? Uh, Every team I has one. I was going to say I don't know. If, I don't think we have one. We're bad at our jokes with England and Surrey. <laughs> uh, we've got quite a few actually with England and Surrey. To be fair, that's a hard one. That best joker. Uh, uh, you've got me there. Ronnie Jackson probably no. Uh, yeah, we'll go Ronnie Jackson actually. Ronnie Jackson, uh, one of my England teammates, um, he's Essex way. He, he likes to crack up a joke here and there at every camp. He pushes his luck at times with the jokes, but who? if you tell me one person who doesn't, then I'll be impressed. Oh, great stuff sometimes. It just adds a little bit of camaraderie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, he should be a comedian rather than a cricketer, Ronnie, but <laughs> we'll leave it there. Right, and uh, also we usually ask on the podcast uh, if you've got any cricketing stories you'd like to share. So this is your opportunity to let the <laughs> listeners know of your own personal disability cricketing story. Uh, so many to choose from. It's hard to hard to pick one, really. Uh, okay, I've kind of... I would give two, but I think it would be too long if I did both. So I'll, I'll kind of summarise my story and how it overlaps with the second one. Um, there's a player who we have at Surrey. Uh, I, he's asked me to not reveal his name, which I That's totally fine. understand and respect. Um, he knows who he is, though. Um, uh, this player in question has been with Surrey for... Crikey, how has been involved with Surrey? Well, don't give too many clues. <laughs> <laughs> um, he'll probably work it out just from the first bit alone. <laughs> um, he's been involved with Surrey now for probably about six to seven years minimum, I'd say. 
and when he first came on the scenes, he from day one he has been the most enthusiastic and passionate person about cricket I've ever come across, and he's one of the many reasons why I love cricket for what it is. Um, but this playing question, going ahead with the story, um, when he first arrived on the scenes, his skill level, I think he, he would, he, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He had certain expectations of himself in terms of the skill levels he had. But of course, um, with disability cricket, um, everybody's got varying levels of impairment. So obviously cricket um, has to be catered for each individual. And uh, this player, he always gave it his, he always gave 100% effort with every training session and match he played. But as the years have progressed, including during COVID, this player's skill levels and his, his, um, his belief in his skills has just gone through the roof ridiculously. I can't begin to tell you it. Um, and to kind of summarise the whole how he's come along, when we played a friendly against Sussex, I think it was, in 2020 during COVID, it was just after COVID, lockdown finished, and um, this player, um, we played in the T20 and the player in question was selected and he came on to bowl and I can remember, just quickly jumping back with the story, he, he'd bowl straight but sometimes he'd get cross if he bowled a two or three ball, three bounce ball or if it was short and wide. And jumping back to 2020, um, excuse me, um, this player, um, I gave him his first over and all six balls were more or less on the spot in terms of the perfect line of length. And come his second over, in my first or second bowl, he bowled the perfect James Anderson delivery, pitched on about middle and off stump, and it hit the seam and took the very top of off stump that the batter didn't have a clue he was bowled. It was like that Mike Gatting fee Shane Warne moment. And the celebrations to see this player do was something like Imran Tahir running around the pitch and giving it the big celebration was... It was just the perfect reason of why I play disability cricket and seeing how it affects people in many ways. And to see this player still playing for Surrey and being so successful is a huge inspiration in itself. And long may he continue playing for Surrey. And that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about participation. And obviously, you've seen this. You've seen this. 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 this sorry, this chap. You've seen this chap develop over the six years, haven't you? So, and that's what. And he's he's suddenly had a he's got a wicket and then all of a sudden there's a, a big release of I've done it I've achieved it. Absolutely. I mean, he's to be fair. I should give him more credit than I have actually. So apologies to the player. Um, he has taken county wickets prior to 2020, but I do feel sorry for him. He's he's been on the unfortunate end of um, decisions. So like LBW decisions which should be given were not given or. He's bowled the perfect line left ball and somehow a fielder's dropped it or he's just gone wide of the fielder and somehow has gone for four or six. So you can imagine it must be frustrating for the player. And obviously when you get a wicket like that, something a professional player could ever dream of is a huge feel-good factor. And as I say, hopefully he will only continue growing from strength to strength. And he's a very loved character in the team that he's he's a very key player in our seconds eleven when he gets the chance to play for us as well. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us, Johnny. Um, I'd like to thank you for joining the Disability Cricket Podcast today. I'd like to thank you for sharing all your stories with us and uh, telling us all about your time playing disability cricket. And I'd like to wish you all the success. And hopefully you you get that 100 in Australia <laughs> and you defend that county championship this year. Thank you very much for having me on board, Sean. And I look forward to giving you the updates as we go through the year. Cheers. Thank you. Goodbye, Lynn. Thank you.